Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to the Invest Like a Boss podcast. I'm Sam Marks. I'm Derek Sparts. And I'm Johnny FD. We're self-made entrepreneurs who invest our own money and use modern technology to invest like a boss. Join us each week for exclusive interviews with our network of modern investors, business owners, and multimillionaires to discover new ways to invest our hard-earned cash. What is up, bosses? And our Patreons, because this is a bonus episode for you on video, all three of us. When does this happen, guys? I got Sam and Johnny on the other end. And Patreons are getting to see this early. You freebie cheapskates who don't want to give us $5 a month. You're going to have to wait for this one. But when you do actually hear this, you should head over to investlikeaboss.com. Click become a Patreon so you can see our smiling faces early. Uh, what's up, guys? We even got dressed up for this one. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember, I think we were in a studio with me and Sam in LA. And this kind of reminds me of that, even though Derek's the only one that actually in a studio. <laughs> I remember that episode. That was actually right before I came here. And I was like, yeah. that was when you guys were down in like Manhattan Beach, which inside of LA, whatever is close to me. And I was trying to get there. And for some reason, I couldn't meet you guys. And then weirdly, I was working for you a few months later. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, Derek, Derek's wearing a shirt that looks like he's in Thailand. And Johnny's actually in Thailand. <laughs> he's got a shirt on, looks like he's in an office in California. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's actually a good point. Yeah. And he, it looks like you got the uh, fluorescent lighting above you too there, Johnny, or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. I have like over ceiling lights. Do, do, I, do my handsome, by the way, I could turn on some more lights if I need. I don't know that that's really going to help. <laughs> is that your is that your place, Johnny? Or is that a is that a cafe? No, no, it's my place. It's a rental. Wow. Looks like uh, an upgraded. That's, that's no you know slouch condo in Jamtian. We're, we're going to be talking about this in the episode, but I'm I'm slowly upgrading my life. Whoa. I think, uh, you went from a I Motel think... 6 to a Motel 8. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> No more, no I think more it was a Jared just Dillon episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, all right. Let's talk about it. Well, Sam, you kind of had this idea and Johnny and I just were casually talking about this idea last week when we were talking to George Camel. We, and then Sam like hit us up literally like an hour later with the same exact idea. It was like a weird little kismet thing. So we're like, all three of us have to hop on this. So why don't you explain what we're going to get into, Sam? This happens a lot when I'm back in the West in entrepreneurial circles and privately like you know dinners or long walks or whatever with with, with entrepreneur friends the topic pretty commonly comes up it's like what's your number like what you know where do you want to get to for retirement or where you want to get to for, for financial freedom. We've been talking a lot about 4% rule. Like we haven't done an actual dedicated episode on 4% rule, but we're always talking about financial freedom and how much money you need to to live. So I thought, hey, new year, it's a good time for us all to break down some numbers and actually look at what it would take where everyone thinks they are. And I think it's a good reflection for the for ourselves and also the listeners. And Johnny's been kind of pound to me about my number changing and i'm like has it mm -hmm. has it in the quarterly updates mm -hmm. we recorded he was like your number's changing it's always going higher and uh so i also wanted to dig in and see actually where my number was yeah and i wanted to rebut the last episode with my thoughts on the four percent rule being bs or mm -hmm. as our guest said yeah well let's dig into that a little bit deeper first because we played a little piece of it on the episode where dave kind of went off on george camel and if you haven't listened to the last episode you should definitely do so a really good kind of just back to basics from george camel but then he brings up this uh controversy that 
happened literally, I think like the week that Johnny interviewed him and we just missed Ooh. it. So Johnny and I touched on this, but if you didn't catch it, obviously Dave Ramsey has principles that he wants his whole team to follow. And apparently George Camel did not follow those principles. And I actually have a clip here from a video that he made that caused Dave to go off on him live on his show. Why don't we check that out? Another flaw with fire is that they say you can withdraw 4% of your nest egg, but you'll really need to withdraw closer to 3% if you retire that early. So look at this. If you've saved $1.5 million by your 30s, that amounts to living off $45,000 a year. We're talking about living for 55 years off one account and not depleting it. And if you withdraw 4%, there's a higher chance that money's gonna run out well before that time is up. This isn't a wet finger in the air. I don't know why wet fingers are in the air, but they are sometimes. This is just honest math. Literally, there's a site called honestmath.com and they ran 10,000 different financial simulations to get this chart and show you these numbers. All right, so let's look at this chart. On the left side, we see years in retirement. On the top, we see the withdrawal rate. And as you can see, if you have a 30 year retirement with a 4% withdrawal rate, you're gonna have 3% of that account balance remaining. 30 years later. That's kind of scary considering you're gonna retire at 30. And so a 30 year retirement means at 60, you're flat broke and you still might live another 35 or 40 years. All right, I'm sure you guys have a lot to say on that. But before I get mm -hmm. your responses, let's hear what Dave Ramsey had to say when this video was asked about him live during his call-in radio show. Here's what Dave okay. had to rebut. Okay, I'm a little confused because I don't know what the hell George is doing doing a 3% withdrawal rate because that's absolutely wrong. I don't, I'm gonna have to find out where that video is and get it taken down because um, that's just wrong. You don't need to have a 3% withdrawal rate. That's ridiculous. Um, or I hope you misunderstood. I hope we didn't put out trash like that. Was it four to five percent? Like maybe, the, no, it shouldn't be four to five percent. It ought to be more than that. The problem is, is when you go down these stupid nerd rabbit holes in these Reddit threads with these morons who live in their mother's basement <laughs> with a calculator, and then you then you put that out into the dadgum community, and then people go, I don't have enough money. It's hopeless. I'll never be able to save enough to retire. A million dollars should create for you an $80,000 income, boys and girls. So really quick recap, there's the 4% rule, which we're going to get into. George Campbell was saying, that's even too aggressive. You should go down to 3%. And then Dave comes back and says, what are you talking about? You should be at 8%. Uh, Johnny, mm. you said this is your hot button subject. What do you got to say? You know, I was really trying to listen with like a very open mind at the, at the context of all this. So first off, the thing about the the four percent rule, these calculations, the, these simulations, and we can link some, some people to some calculators um, later so they can see for their own numbers. But there's a you know, first off, no one no one knows what's going to happen with, with the markets in the future. So what they do is they take you know historical data and they say okay what are your chances of still having money left over after 30 years and on average for a four percent rule you're gonna be okay after 30 years but there's a very good chance you're gonna have nothing left and dave's kind of point which at first you know i was very annoyed because his math is just wrong <laughs> if anyone you know dives into that because it's almost impossible to to get an eight percent or higher return especially if it adjusted for inflation over the long run but his point is, yeah, if, if you worry so much and just nerd out so much on, on numbers, you're going to be so stressed and you're going to think you need $10 million to ever retire. But in reality, with a million dollars, everybody should be able to retire, whether it's being able to take out 
8% forever or having to adjust it. I, I, th I think he didn't go into a long-term plan. Uh, but I think that's kind of his point is a million dollars is a lot of money. Like don't aim higher than that or you'll you'll feel like it's so high and you'll never get there. I think one thing to note on this too is it seems like, I don't know that if Dave knew this on the show, the George Camel video, he's really speaking to people doing fire and retiring early, like in their 30s. And mm -hmm. Dave is very much obviously against that. He's, I think in his head, he's picturing someone 60 plus yeah. and with a paid off home. So, I mean, the person in the thirties probably isn't going to have that. And obviously if you have a paid off home, you can live off a lot smaller income. I just think the context wasn't there. And it was like old man, Dave, just going off on his guy that he thought he was speaking against him. Yeah. I, I think what we heard from Dave though was I mean, if we just we try to just keep it in what we heard and not the overall picture or context, I would say that's shockingly off and and hurtful for people to to consider because he said income stream. He wasn't saying your portfolio should increase eight percent a year. He's like income stream. So if we look at all of our collective investments and everything that we've done together over the last seven years, we look at what's generated eight percent returns over that period of time. I mean, there's there's not much. There's the stock market, but if you look at like, let's just say real estate, um, and even in the last few years, like, look at Johnny and my portfolio over the last year, we've had a few investments that we got in for cash flow, like APH and Peer Street, that we're paying seven to ten percent. Those have mm -hmm. both gone bust, right? Mm -hmm. yep. Now, I mean, you could say you can get easily generate eight percent uh, income stream of real estate, and historically. You'd be, you'd be right, at least in U.S. Um, real estate market. But if you look at my real estate funds in the U.S., I had Pier Street, I'm sorry, um, Fundrise, which was originally paying like 9 or 10% dividend. That dropped like a rock. Is now down to about 3 I've been, I'm in MLG Capital <laughs> that has been paying out steady 8% preferred. Um, so that's been solid. I'm in one real estate fund that's Apex One, who's cut the dividend, the 8% guaranteed preferred down to 4%, it's now paying out 4% in most months or most quarters. And then I'm in one with Omar Khan, who's completely froze mm -hmm. the, the guaranteed. Now that should get paid back at some time. But if you look at the blend of those three, none of them are, only one's paying out 8% now. So if you were fully in, if you took your million dollars and put it fully in one of those and they stopped paying out dividend, what do you have to live off of? Or you're getting 4% instead of 8% or the one fund goes, you know, liquidates and has to take a loss. So there's a number of things that can go long where 8% is by no means guaranteed. I mean, I, I feel way more comfortable with the 3% number. And if you look at the math uh, historically, you know, 3% is pretty safe. 4% is fairly safe in most market conditions. But again, we're talking about 30 years. Well, all of us now are in our late 30s, right? Early 40s. So we have to be thinking at least 45 years out. So I just pulled up honestmath.com, which is one of the apps that there's a lot of them out there. But mm -hmm. for me, withdrawing 4% uh, until I'm 80, which is kind of where I expect to die. <laughs> I <laughs> the, the chance of me still having money left over. So there's a 20% chance I'm going to be very unlucky and I'm, I'm going to have nothing. I'm, I'm basically going to die. Gonna are, die you putting, are you putting your what your current net worth is and right now, John? Yeah, so I put in my current net worth and then I put in uh, a 4% withdrawal rate with a 2% inflation rate going up. So it's it's basically giving me a little raise every every year, um, hoping, you know, inflation is not over 2%. But even if it is, that's just what I'm getting. So I'll get a little bit more than, you know, the starting 
$3,333 a, a month kind of going forward. They give you kind of three uh, categories. You know, you have the unlucky, median, unlucky. So there's a 50% chance I'm going to be at 80 and I'll still have 0.6 million. Uh, I guess that's a little bit over half a million. And if, uh, you know, there's a 20% chance, I'll either have zero or I'll have seven and a half million when I die. So really, a lot of it depends on the, the markets, if it's if it's making 4% uh, on average or less or 8% or more. So we broke down different wealth levels for the purpose of this episode. We broke down four different scenarios for what you would do once you got to your number. So let's say let's say your number is 1.5 million. There's different things you can do once you get to that, right? You can just simply put it into a checking account. That's one option. Like, I don't think any of us would do that, but there's certainly a lot of retired people that just have it in an account and a checking account and spend it down. And then there's a few other ways that, that you could invest and strategize around this number. So we should talk about those. And then we should look at some different wealth numbers. And I think we've modeled out everything from 5 million, I'm sorry, 500,000 up to 20 million. And we can mm -hmm. talk about those. And then let's come back and we can talk about what what our numbers are specifically derek johnny and my numbers hey bosses we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors the show will be right back another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Okay, so let's keep, we'll keep the numbers simple. These numbers are not going to be perfect, but they're kind of just used as a, a guideline for you to establish what your number is. They're also based on not having any other type of income stream. So this is just, this is my number. I'm done. I'm not going to go out and side hustle or, or get a job or anything. So we talked about one option just to, to cover the four options of what you would do with your money based on what your aspirations are and your comfort level. One is you just simply put the money in a bank account and spend it down. So we're going to look at how much, if you took that strategy at the different wealth numbers, uh, levels or the different numbers, how much uh, you could spend down each month. The second option is a lifetime annuity. And I think for our generation, most people don't even know about these. But for older generations, these are very, very common and popular. And what it is, it's basically like a private pension. So you give your money, let's just say it's a million dollars. And one thing you have to consider is like, as you get older, you lose some of your mental faculties, right? So you don't want to have like when you're 85, you don't want to have complicated investments and be thinking, you know, about how how to withdraw money and how much you can withdraw and stuff. Because like, you, frankly, you just might not even be all the way there, right? So these lifetime annuities are basically uh, transfer of risk products. And you buy them for what they will do, not for what they might do, like, for instance, the stock market. So what you do is you give them the million dollars to a company. It's basically like a certificate of deposit, except that they pay you out each month and it stays invested. So say you lock in a 4% uh, interest rate for, the, for your life. Like this can be a 35-year, 45-year policy. So it's accumulating mm. interest each month, but they're also paying it, paying you out. And they calculate it based on, you know, if, like you're 40, you go to them, they say, okay, insurance companies are pretty good at figuring out how long you're going to live, right? And they'll they'll calculate how much they think you're going to, you know, you can get each month. 
and when they think you're going to die. And then it can adjust a little bit depending on how, how it's going along. And what happens if you live to, to like 100 years old? Uh, I think they adjust. Like if you're if you're healthy and 85, like it has to adjust or some some of them don't. I, there's, there's a lot of different annuity products, by the way. So I'm assuming if you put a million dollars in, you just draw that down. So when, when you die, nothing like there's nothing left, right? No, yeah. no matter what, what happens. No, in a lot of cases, you do die with something left. And that's just oh. that just goes to whoever you want to leave it to, to inherit it. In fact, this happened with my grandfather. He died and he left me an annuity that had like $20,000 left on it. Okay. And, it, and the payments just came to me. So do you know, Sam, can you... Can you actually get 4% right now? Yeah. Yeah. And what are kind of the fees for that? Uh, nothing. There has to be fees. There are no fees. It's like- Well, they have to no, get something. It's like, a, it's like a bank CD. You give them your money. They're using that money to do something else. And they guarantee, okay. uh, they guarantee you know, They're banking on the fact that they can get a better than a 4% return. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Over well, the course of four to 50 years. It's a beautiful product. So right now, you can get 4.5% with a you know 30-year- U.S. bond, right? A mm -hmm. U.S. Treasury bond, and at the end of the the your thirty years, you get back that entire million dollars. Mm -hmm. Why would you even think about doing an annuity right now when interest rates are so high? You can lock in interest rates for longer than thirty years. Okay. You get paid out each month based on part mm -hmm. of your principal plus part of the interest, so you don't have to wait for your dividends. Like when we start looking at some of these numbers, like 5% on, or say 4% on a million dollars might not be enough for you to live on each year, right? It's four, four grand. But if you take- four, 40 grand, just to be clear. Yeah. If you get, yeah, 40 grand. So if, yeah, four grand a month, right? But if you took part of the principal out each month, plus the interest, it would probably be enough for most people to live off of, right? And again, we'll, we'll look at some of these examples in the numbers. So the idea is like, okay, I want, I want, to, I want to spend down part of this million each month but I also want it to be invested in something conservative that I can, you know, that accumulates interest over the course of that of that time. Okay. I mean, I, I know you, you know, annuities is definitely uh, something you you personally use and you like. Mm -hmm. uh, I would say most people in the the fire community they're a big uh, proponent of you know the standard mix of stocks and bonds. Yeah, you know. Yeah whether it's you know 50-50 or a 90-10 split, depending on how old you are. I think that if I was going to retire today, I would, instead of being 90% uh, stocks or 100% stocks and then like you know 10% bonds, I would do the flip. I would say, you know what? I'm okay with just having you know a guaranteed four and a half percent bonds, and then have half my money you know potentially make eight percent or ten percent or twelve percent, or potentially go down. And what's nice about that is when the market is up, you can sell the the shares of the stocks, and when it's down, you sell the, the shares of the bonds. You know, and and that's kind of the the whole point of of riding through these waves. Yeah, but it, it depends. I think again, when we look at the numbers, it depends. Like how you would, in, if you were going to just get off the grid and do the the fire thing with five hundred thousand in the bank right now, mm -hmm. versus if you had five million, your investing strategy would have to be different. Because if you were to put every, if you were to put go heavily in stocks with five hundred thousand, and and the market goes down thirty five percent for three four years, mm -hmm. and you're drawing that down, it's like oh shit. This no. didn't work. So in that case, you'd be drawing down the stocks. I mean, the, the bonds. You leave the stocks uh, while, while they're down. And but, you would, yeah, you would the bonds. Okay, well, let's let's look at some live numbers because I think there's so many variables that go into you know age and unexpected costs, family or not family, single, et cetera. So Johnny, you're saying on like an up year, an up market year, you're selling stocks and on a down year, you're selling bonds. Exactly. And also, if I ever needed to make a big purchase, like a new car or something, I would wait for the for, for it to be a, a, the, the stocks to be up. 
you know, and obviously we can't. Not everyone you know, has that luxury, though. I mean, if your car goes out and you need a car, you need a car. Yeah, but, you know, it depends on how nice a car you want, right? Like if, if it was sure. a down year, there's kind of a recession going, I'm not going out and buying the car I want. I'm going to buy just like, you know, the the Nissan Versa, you know, base model of 17 grand, <laughs> right? But if it was mm. an up year, if it's like, let's say right now, where the, the stocks are hot, you know, they're kind of near an all-time high, then I'll be like, you know what? Yeah, I can afford a nicer, like a Lexus or a Mercedes or something. Maybe, maybe I'll get that. Okay, so we, that's two of the options. One, cash in his checking account, spend it down. Second's the lifetime annuity, which I, I agree, I think for our generation, they're not popular. But as you get older, I think it becomes an increasingly interesting option. Number three is the 4% rule, which like just to summarize this, I think it's it's basically a guidepost. Like here's what mm -hmm. you should be able to do. And if things work out as they have historically, you don't run out of money or maybe you maintain your, your original principle. You probably are not... You like maybe you grow it in some situations, but it's it's certainly not like a perfect calculation, right? Mm -hmm. And then the the fourth one would be like the, I'm calling it a aspirational financial independence. This would be like, hey, I want to be able to to support my lifestyle completely off the passive income, but I also don't want my my wealth to be going down each year. I want it to actually grow each year. So what's like in order to get to that number, you need to be able to invest in generally a broad portfolio diversified portfolio that generates cash that you have access to each month. And you also are invested in, in enough assets that have the ability to appreciate like stocks, properties, et cetera. So let's actually talk about that. So I, I'm mm -hmm. glad we skipped over that, <clears throat> that verse option of just leaving them all the money in the bank. Cause that's an absolute terrible idea. Unless, you know, uh, interest rates happen to be, you know, 4% plus. Uh, I don't think anybody should be just leaving all their money uh, in a bank account, in a checking account. I'm just thinking in terms of like this year, if you pull your 4% and just sock that in a HYSA until you spend it for the year. Yeah. yeah. Well, here's another benefit of, of just putting money in a checking account. Uh, let's say you had a million dollars, right? You, you you wouldn't put it on one checking account, but you might put it in four. So they're all, they're all insured and protected. You don't have to file taxes anymore. You're done. You're off the grid, man. No more taxes. No more tax filings. You're just... You're just coasting, baby. Well, let's assume you're not in interest. <laughs> well, yeah, because you're not getting interest. Yeah, but that would, that would be ridiculous. I would I would much rather well, I fill know. out a simple. Well, what if you're pulling it out of a Roth IRA but, too? But, but we have to. But we have to at least have it as an option because yeah, okay. There's a lot of grandparents out there. There might be sixty, you know, people in their late sixties. Dave Ramsey, listen to this episode. He's like, I'm done. I just want to put it in a checking account. <laughs> Twenty years. Let's go. Let, let's jump into the first bracket, like where. I think a lot of people's aspirations start to get to let's cover we're going to cover between 500,000 all the way up to 20 million. So the first number is 500,000 and let's look at what you can do with that based on the four approaches that we talked about. Derek, you want to jump into that one? Yeah, sure we can do that. So if you're at 500,000 at retirement and use the 4% rule, that's paying you $20,000 a year or about $1,666 a month. And according to Sam's calculations, I believe these are with a 4% interest rate on a 45-year payout using an annuity, like he mentioned before, that would actually pay you close to $2,000 a month, $1,974 a month, or about $24,000 a year. So at that rate, you're getting close to $4,000 more a year using the annuity route. Yeah. And, if, and I also threw in one more number that's the cash spend down, which is just if you just threw it into a bank account for 45 years. And it's a, this is a huge difference. It almost doesn't even make sense. But if you put simply put the 500000 into a bank account and you divided it up over 45 years into monthly installments, 
it's only $925 a month. Mm -hmm. So by just putting it into the annuity policy of getting 4% a year and allowing it to accumulate over that period of time, you you more than double your monthly payout. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's the, the whole point of you know, taking advantage of compound interest. Um, th this is why any of this works, you know, and why we don't have to save $10 million to be able to retire. You know, everybody can do it. I mean, technically at $500,000, if you want to live in a cheap place, like in Thailand or some parts of like Eastern Europe, you know, a lot. there's a lot of places you can live a decent life for 24 grand a year. Mm -hmm. All you have to do is look at what is the, the medium household income. And if you're at that or above, it's possible to live there like a local, not necessarily you would want to live that life, but it is possible. So at this level, 500,000, I think, you know, based on the lifetime annuity numbers, 24,000 a year, 2000 a month, you basically wouldn't have any taxes on that because you have, you'll pay, you'll pay tax on the interest technically, but I think your tax bracket might be low enough that you wouldn't even have any taxes. So you could live, you probably couldn't have a family. You could probably have a family in, you know, developing countries. You can't really afford to take losses. Like you can't have investments go bad and have 50K or 100K, you know, go missing. So it, it, it's tight, but it's definitely if you're like, you know, retirement age, late 60s, and you're like, man, I can go coast for 20 years. You know, if you live off 20 years instead of 45, the numbers get a lot bigger. So definitely possible. And, you know, I actually think this is a, a good goal for mm -hmm. a lot of people who just are very unhappy with their current situation or their job. Mm -hmm. I think it's it's hard to, you know, for someone to even imagine saving up a million dollars. You know, it, it's such a big number for anyone who right now might not, not have anything in the bank, but 500,000 are like, okay, that that's a doable number. Yeah. And what I would suggest is no matter what your number is, just, just to get to the first rung and then celebrate and then ask yourself, do I really need to try to get to that second rung. Cause yeah. at 500 grand, I, I I know this isn't, you know, actual retirement, but like the, there's a huge difference between having, to, you know, needing to work a full-time job to, to, to live versus, you know, working a job that you actually enjoy doing or you don't mind doing just for some side benefits uh, or to be able to buy stuff you like. You know, even if I was living in the US somewhere and I, was, and I had 24 grand uh, a year guaranteed, I can just work at Trader Joe's. I can work at a at a dog shelter. You know, I can work doing something that I actually just like a, you know, like an easy carefree job. Maybe I'll get health benefits from it. I got your uniform for you, Johnny. I'm wearing it right yeah. now. <laughs> but like, seriously, like I, I, I actually have daydreamed about that saying, you know what? It wouldn't be that bad of a life just to be a cashier or a stock boy at Trader Joe's. You Trader Joe's would be great. Food. Yeah. yeah. You know, you just like greet people all day. <laughs> like I mean, for mental wellness <laughs> and sense of purpose, I think that's huge too. I, I honestly have zero interest in fully retiring because I've seen what it does to people. And usually you drop dead pretty quick after you check out. Derek would go from seven jobs to zero and he would just lose it. <laughs> like, I don't know what to do. Too much stillness. I'd be happy with two jobs. <laughs> yeah. Also, like not to mention nowadays, because we have all, the, you know, we're in a gig economy, it makes it so much easier to pick up a, mm -hmm. a side gig. Like I know a ton of people who have cool cars that they couldn't otherwise afford. And they just told themselves, you know what? I'm willing to drive Uber two you know, two days a week and just to pay off this car just so I can have it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I just I just was in an Uber the other day. The guy told me he only does it to go on like cool vacations and he's been going on like ridiculous trips. And him and his like mm -hmm. uh, friend, they like tag team and 
like collaborate with Uber and then they just make a travel fund. So it's just like, you know, if, yeah, cool. if you can retire, it's like cool stuff like that, you know? Yeah. That is yeah. a very good point too, because it, like if you get yourself into a bad situation by like trying to retire early, it's not like you necessarily have to put on suit and tie and start going out like interviewing for corporate jobs where you've lost 10 years of like your edge and you have to ramp mm. back up to like get into yeah. In, into the seam it's like no you can just go be an uber driver or food delivery well and if you're if you're also racing if you're racing to retire and get done early it's probably a sign that you hate your job currently yeah. so maybe maybe you should address that first <laughs> good point yeah all right let's jump into the second number uh one million dollars so we're, we're we've doubled up now and I'll start with the first one, the cash spend down on this. If you just put the million dollars into a checking account and you want to just spend it over the course of 45 years evenly, that's $1,800, basically $1,850 uh, per month that you can spend. Now, the lifetime annuity, yeah, the lifetime annuity, again, like it's crazy how much more you get out of this by the money just being invested at 4% during that time, but you more than double it. So you have, you have close to $4,000 a month over 45 years. Four thousand, yeah, thirty-nine hundred dollars over forty-five years. You get a thirty-nine hundred dollar paycheck. You don't have to think about it. Money in the bank. And then, if you're using the four percent rule, it's a little bit less, but it's still a nice chunk of change. Uh, three thousand three hundred thirty-three a month, or about forty thousand dollars a year. So, if you just compare that to we were at five hundred thousand to one million, obviously you double it with the cash spend down, but you more than double it with the other two. So, I mean, especially the annuity, that makes a huge difference going from 1900 to uh, like f almost 4,000 now. Yeah. Also at 1 million, you get into where you can, you can kind of take an approach of this aspirational financial independence where at 500,000, it's going to be tight to expect to be able to grow that money and be able to live off the, you know, $1,500 a month if possible, but it could also get quite scary. At 1 million, your opportunity to do that is slightly better. So we modeled the aspirational financial independence off of having 3% cash on your portfolio and it growing at a net asset value of 4%. So it's kind of like a 7% annual gain, 3% in cash. So the idea is you're living off the 3% cash and you're allowing the investments to do their thing when they're they're growing at 4%. So what those numbers would look like on 1 million means that you can then have $30,000 a year in cash, which comes out to just over $2,000 a month. It's about $2,100 a month. And your portfolio will appreciate at $40,000 a year. After 10 years of this, you can expect your money to grow from 1 million to 1 million point five while you've been living passively off of about $25,000, $30,000 a year. So I'm going to jump in because this is kind of uh, where I'm at right now. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad you added in this kind of aspirational financial independence uh, category because I've realized that no matter what your number is, the worst thing in the world is seeing it get drawn drawn down. <laughs> you know, it, it's 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 really, you know. Do you think you'd still feel that way at, at 60, Johnny? Uh, I feel like if I was about to die, like, you know, the next 10 years, I wouldn't care as much. But I think in, in at our age, especially, um, you know, in your 30s, 40s, like it's it's hard to look at that number and to see like, man, it's shrinking. My 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 worth as a as a human is is shrinking. Yeah, um, yeah. And and it's not just us. I mean, like we've spoken to so many people, 
and they've all had the same the same thought. It's not about the amount of money. It's it's just about you know like seeing like nobody wants to see their life in decline. You know, and mm-hmm. when you start seeing your 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 net worth go down, you, you it feels it feels weird. You know, so this is kind of where I'm at right now, where I know I can. You know, I can start drawing down, but I never do. I, I never sell any stocks uh, unless it's to buy like another asset. And when I think about selling some stocks to buy a new car or something, you know, that I want, I'm like, no, it's I'm not gonna do it. Like I'd rather mm-hmm. keep that money invested and then use whatever money I I gained from that to buy buy the thing. You know, so like for you know, I mean, here's a very easy example: is instead of buying a a hundred thousand dollar car today, I'd rather go out and buy a ten thousand dollar car. Uh, or a $20,000 car and then invest the, the the difference. And after seven or eight years, that money had probably doubled if, if I had just put it into a stock market mm-hmm. and then in seven years buy that car. But to be honest, in seven years, even though now that is free money, I probably still want to get my, allow myself to, to spend the hundred grand to buy the car. I'd be like, oh, you know what? Mm-hmm. I can just double down again. It's a trap. It really, it's a really, <laughs> it's a psychological trap, really. Yeah. Johnny raised a really good point. I'm not sure if we heard this on the episode, but I on one of our episodes, you guys may remember, but I heard this recently. It was something that Will Smith actually said, and he said, mm-hmm. getting rich is amazing. Being rich is a mixed bag, and losing your wealth is absolutely devastating. Absolutely, yeah. And I thought that was like, that, I, I think that's really spot on. And I've seen this happen with some some people like James Alter is a good example. You know, I've an entrepreneur friend that has made tens of millions and lost it all multiple times. And like that road down is just disastrous. Let me let me offer a counterpoint from mm-hmm. our guest two weeks ago. <laughs> Why don't I play the Jared Dillian rant? Because this is actually yeah, a please. good point to do that because Johnny sometimes you got to treat yourself. And I, I don't know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm kind of, kind of on Jared's side on this. So if you guys didn't catch this, I asked Jared what he thought about the fire movement and here's what he had to say about not spending any of your assets. Can we talk about the fire movement and your thoughts on that? A lot of our listeners are still really involved in that. And I think it'd be interesting to hear your thoughts about that. And then we'll jump into your new book. Well, they should all go to hell because it's the dumbest <laughs> idea of all time. Like they should, the fire movement is a terrible idea. Not not just practically, but philosophically. Like the whole thing is demented. Uh, I, I can't believe that people do this. <laughs> and you, you know, I, the idea that for the first 15 years of your adult life, you would live in complete deprivation so that you can save 70% of your income so you can get $2 million so that you can live in deprivation the last 50 years of your life, right? So you're living in deprivation your entire life. Like, I don't think that's a good idea. (laughs) What it is, is it's an anti-consumption movement. It really has nothing to do with saving or investing. It's an anti-consumption movement. It says that consumption is bad. Consumption is evil. And the reality is, is that buying things, buying material things gives us happiness, right? I mean, not the kind of happiness you would have from a marriage or a relationship with a pet or a friend or something like that, but buying material things does give us happiness. And it is unnatural 
to deny ourselves that happiness over an entire lifetime. The other thing is, is that let's say that for the first 15 years of your adult life, you are successful in saving $2 million and now you retire and you're doing whatever with your time for the next 50 years. That's a lot of stress because every time the stock market goes down 3% in a day, you're doing this mental math about, oh my God, yeah. am I going to have to go back to work? Can I make my savings last? What if we go mm. into a bear market? Like, yes, you have all this free time, but I, I would think that would be the most stressful thing in the world mm -hmm. is to sit there and watch your retirement account go up and down every day. It's a terrible idea. Johnny, you're denying yourself happiness. <laughs> You know what? At first I was very offended by, by our guest when he, when he uh, said it, especially when he said it, but I actually do agree with some of the things he said, not all of it. I do 100% believe that consumerism, even though it's good for our economy, it's good for the, for the you know, for the U.S. in a whole, it's terrible for the individual person. You know, mm -hmm. I'm, I've been very, very fortunate where I've gotten the taste of a luxury life, of flying on a, on a private jet or, or sitting in business class, staying in nice hotels, uh, you know, going out and partying, popping, you know, uh, Dom Perignon and nice champagne. It doesn't make anyone happy. I, I think it, it, it makes you temporarily happy. It's like a hit of cocaine. Mm -hmm. You know, it might even give you the illusion that you're happy. But I guarantee you that is not true happiness. Like buying crap, and you know what? I fall for this. I, the other day, I bought I bought this. Can, can you can you guys see this? It's, it's a stuffed it's like animal. A little Frenchy stuffed animal. <laughs> yeah, Johnny <It's> splurged. <laughs> it's a little like a French bulldog with with a gold chain. Like it's on my I put it in my backpack, and it's like the Louis Vuitton print. I was like, you know what? This is kind of cool. You know, I like it. I it, I was happy when I bought it. And then, like the very next day, and I'm like, "Why the fuck? Like, why did I waste my 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 money buying this? This is, is stupid." And luckily, I didn't pay you know Louis Vuitton <laughs> prices for it. But if I did, I'd be even more pissed. <laughs> there was a meme. There was a meme about buying a uh, cyber truck online, and it's like yeah. you know all this expectation going into buying the cyber truck. You buy it, and like the second day you're driving it, you look, <laughs> you're like, "I swear, a, a group of of teenage kids just drove by and like laughing at me and." <laughs> You know, the air doesn't shut as the door doesn't shut quite as tight as I want. And now I'm a hundred thousand dollars in debt to buy it. I just uh, saw one yeah. the other day for the first time and it's, it's even uglier in person. I, I mean, uh, that's a whole nother episode we get into, but uh. no. I agree with Johnny. I, I think the, the part that the bit he did on consumption, I disagree with. And I've been through all the cycles of buying tons of stuff and basically living like a monk and buying stuff at this point. You know, I like buying like nice wine and that's pretty much it. Like even buying, going first business class now, I don't enjoy it. Dude, I don't know if you guys have flown business class recently. Everybody, their kids and their older mother are flying business class. It's awful. Yeah. I, so I just, I'd rather spend the money on a hotel than the, the flight. I'll just There's fly economy. kids running up and down the aisles, babies crying. My last flight, there was someone next to me watching a video on his phone on speakerphone. Oh, like... <laughs> the hell's that about you know so business class you're just setting yourself up for a, a bad flight because your expectations are too high um but i do agree with what he said about the like basically the four percent rule and like spending it down for me even ever reading about the four percent rule just gave me anxiety you know it's like the number one fear in the in the, the western world is what now do you guys know what it is i don't know no, <laughs> it's not public speaking. Public speaking is number two. The number one is it dying fear, broke? it's dying, but it's your money running out before you die. Yeah. And it, it's not, if you think about it, it's, it's not just about you. 
and your comfort. It's about family and being a burden. People don't want to be 85 and be a burden mm. to their mm. kids and everything. Like that would just be awful, right? So any of these these strategies that's like trying to guess where you're going to be at in 30 years and just have enough to squeeze by each month is crazy because you're it's going to have so much stress along the way of watching markets go up and down and stuff. So I think you have to pick a strategy and a number that's like it's aspirational enough that you have a surplus that you're not going to have to worry about these things. I, I do agree with that. I, I, I have more to say about our friend Jared here. Uh <laughs> What I do, what I did agree with him uh, is, and I guess Bill Perkins as well with the uh, was zero is there are certain things that we should spend more money on that would make us more happy. Mm-hmm. I'll give you a couple examples from, from from my very recent life. Last weekend, I went out with our friend Kevin Shi. He he, mm-hmm. uh, he took us out to, you know, a really nice restaurant. Took me to a bar afterwards, and he spent so much money in those two nights that it it was kind of eye dropping, right? Like I don't know how much the dinner was, but it was it was, you know, for sure a hundred dollars uh, a head or more. Uh mm-hmm. and then the drinks were definitely expensive, you know, like popping, you know, champagne and all this stuff. I think what the, the bill was like two thousand dollars, you know, and like for, for a small group of, of guys. And I thought about it. I was like, you know what? I had a lot of fun, but I would have had just as much fun like uh you know without all these crazy drinks and everything. Like there's way more other ways to to enjoy life than mm-hmm. you know spending money on, you know, Five hundred dollar um, bottles of drinks, but yeah. the part that I did enjoy was that dinner. You know, it was really, really delicious food and a nice setting. It was stuff that I never would, would, would you know, order or eat somewhere else. It was like things like soft shell crab, you know, which I didn't think I would like, but it turns out, you know, I I do like it. You know, this like really nice uh, beef that was like super tender. You know, in a nice, you know, really nice setting. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe I should allow myself to splurge on. You know these really nice dinners uh, more often for like his hotel for example it was like four hundred dollars a night. Meanwhile, staying at a place that was thirty three bucks a night. I don't feel like I need to to spend anywhere near his amount to have that kind of luxury. But I have decided that instead of living in a studio uh, apartment for next month, I'm gonna actually upgrade to one bedroom because. Whoa, Johnny! Yeah, I know. It, it's, <laughs> hey. it, it was yeah, literally what he talked about. He said, you know. I, I booked the studio because I'm like, that's all I actually need. I can be a minimalist. I can be anti-consumers. I can just get the studio. I still get the same pool. I still get the same facilities, the same area. I'm only one person. But now I've decided, you know what? Because I can't afford it and it's not going to affect my budget by very much, I should allow myself that extra comfort of having the separation. Mm. Johnny's reaching peak spending years. I think mid 40s is peak spending years. And then it starts to tail yeah. off as you get into your mid 50s and then it, and it goes down. All right, let's let's run through some more of the numbers. We got a, we got a few more numbers to go through. We can kind of get through these a little bit quicker. So the next level up is two million. So double from the last level of one million. And running through a couple of the numbers there at two million dollars, your cash spend down if you just put it in a checking account for forty five years is thirty seven hundred dollars. But if you're a little bit smarter, a little bit wiser, and you hand over the money to a lifetime annuity policy, that doubles to $7,900, which starts to become meaningful money if you have a family or you live in the West or you want to have a little bit more of a plush retirement. Sam, did you get a job at an annuity company? Because I feel like you're just pushing them. I think Stan kicks back 10%. (laughs) Hey, seven, eight years. No, I've had annuities now for eight or nine years. And the more I get into... (laughs) 
Like this last year, you realized all these alternative investments and all the paperwork and, you know, 10 years of of uh, Mount Gox bankruptcy courts and probably going to do the same with Pier Street and trying to get my money out of these these uh, wine investments and stuff. I'm just like, simple, simple, simple. What's my simplest investment? Annuities. They're literally simple. They're even more simple than certificates of deposit and safer and tax deferred. So there's a lot going on there. So I agree with most of that. And 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 actually, I I too, I'm like, you know what? I don't want to deal with all these kind of individual startup investment companies anymore. I I don't see how it's any safer than putting a CD. A CD should be way safer. It's not any safer historically. Insurance policy, insurance companies are safer than banks, and they know that just through going back through the Great uh, Depression and mm -hmm. and through the last hundred years, less insurance companies have gone bankrupt than banks. So more money was tied up and or lost in banks than insurance companies. Yeah. Okay. But I, I beg to argue that you argue what the history. I mean, either either way, either way, you should be insured, right? Even though the process to collect the insurance is probably awful. Yeah, I mean, but the, I, to <laughs> yeah. Johnny's point, it's like it is. It's uncomfortable because these are not our, you know, these are not our investments. These are like our parents' investments. And when you look up these insurance companies, like I've never heard of these, right? Whereas, like, all right, Bank of America or even like Marcus is owned by Goldman Sachs. And, you know, it, it is a little uncomfortable to put any of this in a single in account or single investment. Right. So, and full disclosure, we, we get, we get zero, we get zero kickback from stand the annuity demand or any other, any, I guess any of these other companies we're talking about. And I, I will admit, I haven't dug into annuities you know, completely. I don't have an experience with it because I, I don't personally invest in them, but I'm glad mm -hmm. that, that you like them. And I, I know you've done your homework, but for me, I would much rather have see that, a similar return in a 30 year, you know, US treasury that I know is guaranteed and, and safe than to, to risk putting in one company that who knows what might happen. Like, and it yeah. sounds like it, it hasn't happened yet, knock on wood, hopefully it never happens, but I would much rather trust the US treasury or even a bank. Cause if a bank fails, most likely, you know, you know, the FDIC will, will, will pay it back. You know, the government might even um, bail it out. But if insurance companies start collapsing, I don't think the government's going to step in. I mean, the, the just the caveat that the issue there is structure. So if you're in a 30-year treasury or in your bank CD, you can get the interest, I guess, monthly or annually, but you can't, yeah. you don't have access to the, the principal. So you have to live off interest only. Where in the case of the annuity, yeah. I think one of the reasons people like them is the structure. So you get a piece of the interest each month, but you get a piece of the principal. So it increases the amount that you have to you have access to and can live off of each month. Okay. Okay. Let's let's run through the rest. The rest of the two million dollar uh, level is four percent rule is sixty six uh, six thousand six hundred dollars a month, and the aspirational financial independence gets more interesting here. So you would be able to generate sixty thousand a year in cash. And your investment portfolio could in, could appreciate at eighty thousand a year. Yeah, so I think being at two million plus is really the only spot where this really seems to kind of make sense. Yeah, well, where aspirational mm. FI starts to kick in because you have enough money basically live decently well. You can definitely live in the West if you want. You can live well in other markets and in, in less developed markets, but. If you do this for ten years, the you know good chance that your your wealth is going to increase from two million to three million. I I like this, and actually I will, I will update my my number. I, I know we're not giving them out yet, but I think this is my my number. This is what I'm trying to 
trying to be at is the 2 million aspirational. And I'm actually kind of doing this now, even though I have less than half of that. And I'm doing that by cutting my expenses down by half, you know, and this is mm -hmm. also where, where I disagree with our last guest is I think it's a great idea to save 70% of your income as long as you're not, you know, hating your life, right? Like I'm still enjoying my life. I'm just living somewhere that's cheaper than, you know, being in Miami or something or, or New York. Because uh, if I was there, I wouldn't have anything to invest. But being out here, I can still invest half my money and hit the aspirational, you know, FI. I can get to the $2 million range. Not that, you know, without working a nine to five job and and you know with all the stress that comes with that we're starting a business yeah. or something and good 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 thing with two million is it it then makes the upper levels much more accessible because if you're at one million and you, you just go off you know the grid and retire it's hard to get to two million but if you're at two million it becomes much easier to get to four million because you have enough money that you can live off of but in your money's your, your investment should be doubling uh, over the course of 10 years or close to doubling, right? Yeah, I agree. This is where it really starts to look interesting, I think. All right, Derek, why don't you take the next level up? All right, so if you go from two to five, now we're talking about some nice income. Just straight cash, spend down, put it in the bank. $9,200 a month, if you put that uh, divided by 45 years. Lifetime annuity, over double again. Almost a quarter million dollars a year you're making at this point. Uh, twenty, Just about $20,000 per month. And if you break it down to the 4% rule, still a nice income, $200,000 a year. That equates to close to $17,000 a month. Mm -hmm. And if you want to do aspirational financial independence... You could still pay yourself $150,000 a year, which is a nice salary currently. And you could um, appreciate your assets another $200,000 a year. So after 10 years, you're up to $7.5 in net worth and still making a six-figure income. I think that's a good number to be at. Derek, How much? Do you, can, you, can you share how much you spend each month living out in California? Single guy? I would say between six dollars and $8,000 a month. So that would cover my income. Six and eight. Yeah. And probably half of that's close to rent, right? Uh, yeah. Derek, you spent $8,000 a month living by yourself? Yeah. That's insane. And I don't think I live ex extravagantly. Just wow. Is what it is. That here. is wild. <laughs> yeah, but you see how much rent rent eats up, right? Yeah, rent is half of that, so. That's wild. Yeah, and the other half is American Express. Yeah. I definitely don't feel bad <laughs> splurging for my $400 a month one bedroom out here then. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's pretty modest. I, I think Derek's living pretty modestly. I'd say most people I know it's probably yeah six to six to nine single yeah. person six to nine in the U.S. I mean, in, in a major city at least, yeah, in like a, yeah. a, a top ten city. I don't, I don't think that's extreme. You know, you have to have, you basically have to have a hundred thousand dollar income in any city now in the U.S. to survive. Yeah, when I was in Tampa, my, I remember it was like I was spending probably nine to eleven, but I had my girlfriend living with me, so it was all like the food costs and stuff was kind of double. But yeah, rent, car payment. That's where it really eats up, like going out, eating. Mm -hmm. Going out for drinks are twenty dollars a piece now. I mean, it adds up quick. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's five million. So good thing with five million is it opens up. And if you get the five million, you can get to ten. Right. Just give it time, basically. Yeah. I mean, if you're doing the aspirational financial independence model, you're getting to ten real quick. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could live cheaper. You can invest more aggressively. A good thing with five too is like you can weather a few storms, like the market pulls back for a few years. You can also afford to have some losses. Like if you have a fifty, hundred thousand dollar loss, it's like it's not that big of a deal. You know, an investment, you can you can bail family or friends out. You have unexpected life situations, like you have plenty of cushion 
plenty of cushion there. Um, okay, so next level up is ten million cash spend down eighteen thousand dollars a month lifetime annuity forty thousand dollars a month if you just want to put the entire thing into a bunch of policies you get a forty forty thousand dollar a month income stream for the rest of your life four percent rules a little bit lower thirty three thousand dollars a month aspirational fi i think this is kind of like from let's just say for western entrepreneurs i think this is sort of where people start like yeah i want to get to 10 mm -hmm. 10 to 20 right and at 10 Aspirational FI means you can you can spend three hundred thousand a year, or let's say if you have income of three hundred thousand a year, you're gonna have some tax on that. And while you live off that three hundred thousand, your portfolio, at least in this model, would appreciate four hundred thousand a year. Which means, by living this way, after ten years, your wealth would grow from ten to fifteen million. Well, I think you guys can agree that once we're at, at this level. I don't think options one, two, or three make any sense at all. If you're making four, at least four hundred thousand dollars a year, why are not? Are you not investing at least some of that? Well, because yeah. when you get to this level, you want to feel like you're a millionaire. You want to spend like you're a millionaire, and not just have a a normal decent life. This is where you want to start spend. You know, staying at the Saint Regis. You want to start, mm -hmm. you know, chartering private jets. You want to drive a Rolls Royce. Then, like, why deprive yourself of of those nice things? What's the point of being a multimillionaire if you're going to be driving a Kia or you know even just like an entry level Mercedes? Or like, why not get the yeah. best one? I don't, I don't know that living off three hundred versus four hundred is really going to be that much of a difference. So you're not going from Kia to Rolls Royce. <laughs> yeah. Well, you think think about this. If you have three hundred thousand dollars in cash, you probably are paying. A tax break like if that's if that's investment okay let's just say we we invested it like johnny or my portfolio derek i'm not, never clear on where you're invested but you have some <laughs> you have some fixed income instruments like aph peer street uh ppr note you've got bank cds like all these are, are taxed at a, a higher tax bracket then you have some like stock dividends and real estate dividends you probably get a little better rate on that so maybe you're paying 25 percent on that three hundred thousand. Mm -hmm. So that that would leave you net two hundred, more or less net of two hundred a year. Let's say seventeen thousand dollars a month. Now seventeen thousand mm -hmm. dollars a month sounds like a lot, but when you get to this level, lifestyle inflation is a real, most likely a real thing. You probably mm -hmm. have at least a million dollars worth of real estate that's unproductive. Like you have a home in the U.S. and a home in Europe or something like that. So you're not making money on that. And it, you know, potentially, but also as we discovered in the vacation rental episode, you have costs to go into those, right? You mm -hmm. might have, if you have a home in the U S that's $800,000. Like you easily might have 10, $15,000 a year in just maintenance costs, operational costs, right? So that's 17,000 a month. It looks like a lot easily gets chipped away at by lifestyle inflation, flying across the world a few times a year, business class, maintaining properties, spending on good wine, maybe at this point you start taking care of like, uh, you know, your family or friends or, or, you know, ex lover a little bit better. You start doing more charity work. So, uh, so $17,000 can go away pretty quickly. Yeah, absolutely. It, or get spent pretty quickly. It sounds like, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's people that live near you, Derek, who spend 17,000 a month that don't have any money left over to, to oh, save yeah. or invest. I mean, easily. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and I mean, even at 10 million, uh, that gets you a decent house in LA. That's it. <laughs> well, so yeah. yeah, it depends on where you live. <laughs> I mean, if you want it, like, let's say you want to have, if you want to have th three properties, you want one in the US, one in Europe, and let's say one in Asia. That's probably more than most people want. Most people want would want two ideally, right? At least mm -hmm. 
one one mm. where they live and one probably vacation home that's either nearby or or maybe in another country if you're or like easy flight like yeah. johnny and i right yeah so that realistically that's that's almost two million dollars now you know jamtian we know you can buy a place for 50 grand but like all right if you want a place in any european city or like vacation destination on the mediterranean in the Alps, in, you know, wine country, you know, Portugal, you can do half a million now, Spain, you can do a decent place for half a million, but really like a million dollars, like in Spain, 800,000 gets you a pretty nice place for a single person, fine, for sure. But if you're like a couple or you have a small family, like, you know, a million dollars, you're probably looking at a million dollars. Same in the US, same, same in most places in the West. So you can easily have $2 million in, in real estate without being like, luxurious yeah well i hate to break it but even in jamtian it's like 120 grand uh starting now for for an okay place wow that's more than i would have thought yeah. oh no yeah oh, <laughs> okay so let's let's do the last number 20 million who wants to take it away He's getting aspirational. I'm going to assume this is Sam's aspirational number. I, I haven't actually. There's a reason he stopped at this number. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nothing more to see, folks. So if and when Sam gets to this number, if he's not going to do the cash spend now, I'll just be stupid. I wouldn't let him do that. <laughs> He'd probably be in, in all nudies. So that means he would get $78,000, $79,000 every month for 45 He'll years. Sam the annuity man by that point. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. If uh, he did the 4% roll, 66 grand a month. But most likely, I don't see, see Sam ever stopping. You know, even though he could, he could probably just stop right now, he would probably hit the aspirational financial dependence still. Mm -hmm. And he would spend 33 grand uh, a month and appreciate 800k a year so almost that you know that feels like a, you're appreciating about a million a year mm -hmm. is this actually w what you would do sam do you feel like you would still want to live aspirational financial dependence and and grow your net worth every year if you hit this number or would you say you know what i'm done i, I don't care if i ever make more, more money again let me let me just enjoy my uh, life it's really difficult to say it really is. I can tell you, like, since I've been an adult, I've never liked to see my balance go down. Mm -hmm. And I, I imagine wherever you're at, it would feel the same because you'll always justify, like, why more makes sense, right? Like, even if you're way mm -hmm. beyond what you need and your family needs and, the like, maybe the organizations that are you're close to need, you can always justify, like, hey, as long as I'm not killing myself to get more, like if it's just passively growing, why would I say no? That would be foolish, right? You know, if it's just in a pretty simple investment portfolio and it's growing each year, why would I not take that? Because you can always justify like, I'll just do more for charity, simple, boom. So I don't see like making a decision to purposefully not grow it, just to like super simplify. And to Johnny's point, like if you had 20 million and you put it all on in, like insurance policies, that would probably give you more stress than if you had it invested like across 10, 15 different investment and asset classes, right? Because, mm -hmm. yeah, what if, you know, what if a bunch of those go bankrupt or stop paying for some reason? Like, I don't know. It would feel weird, right? We've spent a lot of time becoming comfortable in investments. And yeah, we've made, we've definitely made some mistakes as like the last year has shown. But I think we're at a point now where we could be very smart with investments where they don't cause us that much stress. We know how to ride out market cycles, mm -hmm. et cetera. So yeah, I would still say at this number, and this this has always been my number, by the way, and a lot of entrepreneurs that I know that's like, this is the number, it's pretty easy to see why. It's like, you're busy your whole life as an entrepreneur, you take a lot of risk, finally you make it, but you still wanna be active. Like 
you want you, you want to you want to be able to give back. So at this level, like you can easily make, you know, a few hundred thousand, five hundred thousand dollars a year in startup investments. You can support young entrepreneurs. You can give a few hundred thousand dollars a year to charity and you can live a lifestyle of spending a few hundred thousand dollars, which at this level, you have a few properties, you take care of some people around you. You want to do a lot with charity. Like you're going to fly business class all the time. You're easily spending 20,000 dollars a month. So, you know, between charity, startup investing, which you have to assume is not going to pay out and uh, living the lifestyle you want, like you're going to spend probably 500,000 to a million dollars a year. Uh, and you would want the rest of it to be able to t continue to grow or at least maintain a balance, I think. So on the exact opposite of what Jared uh, said, where it's a, a sad life to just watch your your net worth uh, all day and, and worry about it going down. I feel like it's the same thing uh, when we just watch it going up mm -hmm. and we're always thinking like, we, we just want to, we want to have more and more and more. It's also the same excitement and a good part. I, I don't think looking at your portfolio and, you know, calculating these numbers is necessarily a bad thing, mm -hmm. you know, unless it's, it's giving us stress uh, or, or negative stress. I think it's fun to calculate our numbers. I enjoy doing it every quarter when we do yeah. our quarterly updates. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as long as you're kind of looking at it once every three months, I think it's completely fine, whether you're looking at it to go, grow up or for it to go down. Mm -hmm. I, I I think when people start refreshing it daily on their on their phone and checking the apps and that's the first thing they see in the morning, then it's terrible. You know, actually, I actually hate all the investment apps where they show you day change. I don't care what the day changes. Yeah. Show me what the month changes or the year changes, because it's just unnecessary stress to see either. Oh, today it's up this much, or today's down this much. It's I like I, I honestly wish all those uh, apps would just get rid of that that feature. At, at least let you choose a different option. Mm. So what I thought was, I don't want to ever be at a point in my life where. I'm not excited about investing because I still am. I know you guys have gotten kind of maybe less excited about it over the years, but I always kind of see that as going to be part of my life. I guess if I had to pick a number and I had to retire, the minimum minimum I would say right now is two and a half million because that's going to pay me a hundred thousand dollars a year on the, uh, the 4% rule. And I feel like mm -hmm. I need to make a, a six figure income. Otherwise it's just going to be not a fun life. That's not my ideal number, but mm -hmm. I think the minimum has to be two and a half million. I think I'd feel a lot more comfortable at five, but um, yeah. I had so to retire, to five, I think, yeah. I think two and a half. And obviously, hopefully, like I said, I wouldn't ever be fully retired and I'd still have some kind of income coming in, hopefully from something fun, maybe an investment podcast or something yeah. like that. And um, <laughs> yeah, I think that's, that's where my number is right now and hopefully trending upward. So Derek, if you reach that number today, would you actually still live where you are or would you move somewhere? I don't want to live somewhere just for the purpose of saving money. I still, I still like Los Angeles. Um, the weather's perfect. There's a lot of great things about LA. If, if you read too much media shit about it, it's not, it's not all true. Um, <laughs> there's obviously negatives to it too, but I've lived in other places that are supposed to be amazing. And there's a lot of negative there too. You're going to pull out from a place what you want out of it. And I did fall into that negative trap for a while. I think during like COVID and stuff, because honestly it did suck here really with a lot of the shutdowns and things like that, where it's kind of taking away your life. But at the same time, you know, I, I can walk out my door, I'm on the beach, there's cool people around and there's just, I, I don't know, it's, it's a different vibe and, but I could probably find that somewhere else. I just don't know where that would be right now. Uh, I agree with, uh, for that sake, I, I, I wouldn't want to go as extreme as like Johnny and just picking somewhere cheap on the map and like Googling <laughs> what's the 10 cheapest countries in the world. <laughs> Even though, 
Where can you live off $800 a month? Yeah. <laughs> no, what you said about investing, it raises a good point. Something I've been thinking about the last couple of weeks because on Johnny and uh, on the quarterly updates with Johnny, I was like, I'm just out of investing and I just want a few simple things. And what I realized is like life is really like seasons, you know, you have all types of different seasons in life. Right now, I'm just kind of in this winter where I want to really slow everything down and hibernate for a bit. But it's also like it's because I've I was living in sort of a polar opposite of like too much activity, too much, too much like new investing activity, et cetera. Right. So this is just like the, the, the cycle of the season. But even on weekends now, I'm like, man, I want to like, want to check my accounts. I want to some financial news and everything shuts down on the weekends for the most part. Right. It gets quiet. Mm -hmm. Markets shut down. And that's why I hated crypto because it was 24 seven nonstop. It was yeah, too much. Too much. You know, but like I'm some of my startups, everything goes quiet on the weekends. It's nice to have like a little bit of activity, right? Follow and stuff. So I think I think I'll come out of this kind of winter season, consolidate my portfolio, and then I'll want to get back into some interesting investing. But right now I'm still just I gotta quiet things down and consolidate because it got too got too messy, especially last year with like Pier Street and Yield Street and Colt Wines and APH, <laughs> Johnny's APH. We both had some crypto losses and stuff. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, it was it was this it was this a wake up call for sure. So the last few days I've been hanging out with the American guy. He's mid thirties. He's retired and he's getting a VA benefits. He gets $4,333 a month, which is what, I guess 50 grand a year or something. Yep. And he's going to get this for the rest of his life with a bonus for inflation every year. Mm. He was the most carefree guy I've met in a long time. Like he just, everywhere we went, he just spent the most buying girls drinks, you know, just splashing out and having the best time of his life. And then at dinner yesterday, he couldn't pay the bill uh, for, for Indian food. So he told his friend, I thought he was joking. He, he said to his friend, I'll Venmo you on the first. Oh no, he already spent his whole. <laughs> Jeez. And I thought, I, I thought he was joking. And he's like, no, no, no. I have like 10 cents in my bank account. Left. Oh, he's, he's literally embodying die with zero. <laughs> yeah. But he doesn't care because he's like, you know what? On the first, I'm gonna get, you know, the I'm gonna, I'm gonna get my four thousand dollars, and I'm gonna enjoy life again, and I never have to worry about it. Hmm. I I was kind of jealous. Yeah, there's something to be said about that right there. Well, that, that that's considered a pensioner, right? Yeah, that would be. Yeah, basically. There's yeah. how many pensioners are there like living across like the Mediterranean, Thailand, you know, just like that. A lot yeah, of them, exactly. Yeah. A yeah. lot of them. Just yeah. like that. I, I actually think, like, it, we actually came up with this question last night. I asked him, I said, I did the calculation. I said, would you rather have $1.93 you know, million dollars, you know, right now or $2 million right now or keep your 4000 you know, 300 a month for the next, you know, until, until you die? And he made the mistake of saying, give me the $2 million now. I'll invest it. I'll make more than that. I said, knowing your personality do not ever do that. If this is why lottery winners go broke. You can take the 20, 30 year option or you can take the big lump sum and they're like, give me the lump sum and then it's gone. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think we've we realized that like if we all went back and lived that lifestyle and we hadn't had more to, uh, available to live off of, probably like in a split test would be either as happy or more happy to live in a super simplified way like that. But I think as our numbers, you know, as we grow and we have access to more wealth, like numbers tend to, to float upwards, right? And what I what I realize is like, where I'm at right now is perfect for the lifestyle I wanna live and to be able to do what I wanna do each year, like to support companies, 
charity. Um, like I'm paying for my ex-girlfriend to have a one-year sabbatical right now. It's like, it's nice to be able to be in like in a position to do that, right? If I move my number up, like we talked about 20 million. Yeah, like I would take it, I would do it. But I also know it will, will add more complexity to my life than I have now. Because if you wanted, if you want to donate the surplus to like charity, it's like, that's work. Okay. That's not like, it's easy. You got to vet them. You got to make sure the money goes to the right calls. You got to write the checks. You got to take their calls for additional money down the road. You're kind of on the hook for, there's like pressure there. And, That's a good point. It's kind of a lot of work to give money away. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, billionaires like have to hire, they, they literally, they can't give the money away. They have to hire, they have to form organizations because it's the same thing. They don't want to just write blind, like blind checks to a big organization. They want Make sure the money gets into the right hands, is deployed properly. Like they don't want to be scammed. They don't want to deal with the <laughs> calls from the company to give more money and stuff. So, well, speaking of putting money in the right hands, why don't you put it in our hands through Patreon? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but this is one of the benefits. If you're if you're on Patreon, obviously you can see us on here. And if you're not, um, I think we should do these live episodes more often. This is actually really cool and hopefully a nice benefit for our Patreons. If you do want to sign up, you can go to investlikeaboss.com, click become a Patreon. This episode will stay live forever. So if you want to see our smiling faces and there'll be a little bit of bonus content on the uh, Patreon side as well. But wait, we, we didn't we didn't hear Johnny's number. Oh, you guys know my number already. Derek, Derek what's my number? Yeah, he was like two to 2.5, right? No, just two. Yeah. Okay. Just two. Two. Two is too smart. I'm not greedy. <laughs> But to be honest, I I'll tell you I'll tell you my my, my plan right now, right? I, I am perfectly happy with never have, being a net worth millionaire ever again. Is that why you keep riding the line, Johnny? Because I think you've just been kind of surfing yeah. right around it. <laughs> like every time I get close, because the thing is, I I swear to God, once you hit that extra decibel or the extra you know comma, you feel like that is the new zero. So if you it dips below that, mm -hmm. then you feel worthless mm -hmm. again. But if you're at like you know if you're like nine nine nine. You know, then like it goes nine nine eight. Nobody, you know, you don't, you, you don't like. It doesn't matter. You, know, you can go to, you know, you can even go go down a hundred grand. You don't care. You're like, yeah. Ah, there's like the stigma know. of being labeled a millionaire. Psychological yeah. trap. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. then you have these expectations of yourself. Others have expectations of you. You know, like if Sam didn't have as much money as he did, I wouldn't. You know, never be like, hey Sam. You know, can you do you mind uh you know flying me business class out to to see you? <laughs> you know. <laughs> But now that I know he has so much money, I'm like, you know, Sam, why don't you fly me business class out to see you? You know, that would be nice. You know, you could afford yeah, it. Yeah, that, that, the ex gets a trip and not your coworkers here, Sam. <laughs> yeah. I would like to take a year sabbatical. Right. We know <laughs> flying business class is overrated. Yeah, but Johnny, you didn't cook, you didn't cook, you <laughs> didn't for, cook me. for me for three years and scratch my back. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll scratch your back, Sam. You know, like okay, I, I make I make you guys a commit. I make you and Derek a commitment. If one of, if one of my startup, okay, I have three startups I'm in right now that could pay out significant. Okay, okay, okay. I'll I'll give you guys uh I'll give you guys something. I'll give you guys a decent chunk, like five to ten percent of the payout. How about that? All right. Oh, I, really? Yeah. Okay, we don't want the cash though. We want to use that money yeah. for a boys' trip. We're we're not going to stress about about money. We like I want you to say. I want, I want you to. I want, I want the call from you, Sam, saying, "Johnny, it it sold. Hack your bags. <laughs> Make sure the month of of July is you, you're completely uh, free that that month. You you and Derek, don't worry, but don't bring your wallet. Leave your credit cards at home. Okay, that's what I want to. I like, I like it. I like it. Someplace quiet with some nice nature. <laughs> we'll go yeah. someplace and meditate for a full week. <laughs> 
Oh no, 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 no. no. Sounds gonna take us to that that twenty dollar a week. Gonna, you gotta lay on the on the hardwood floor. I'm gonna fly you guys business class. A sweep on your knees. I'm gonna fly you business class to a meditation retreat. <laughs> see see how long you can sit cross legged. <laughs> Surprise. Oh, oh god. No, but like seriously, uh, I I'm okay with never you know crossing the millionaire you're never having that 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 feeling that stigma uh and then just use that money for for stuff you know like you know if i get to a million i'm like oh, okay who like who in my family needs a new car you know who who needs to get their, their bills paid down a little bit you know yeah. like what can i do to, to make myself happier i think i'll be okay with that but if i ever want to have a family then i feel like i do need to get to that two million part mm. so right now my plan is basically live in the cheapest places that still make me happy you know and, and i think that sounds a bit strange but i i can honestly say without blinders on that i'm happier being here in jompton by the beach than being in venice by the beach mm -hmm. i know arguably venice is nicer but i just feel like i'm getting a very very similar experience here I like the food. I don't know. Actually, I really like food that I like too, but I don't know. I just feel like it's a, I'm getting a very similar experience, but for so much less Yeah. that it's not worth, like, I, I, I feel like if I was spending 30 bucks every time I went out to eat or 20 bucks for drink, I wouldn't enjoy it as much mm -hmm. versus here. And I feel like I'm getting a deal and I'm still eating delicious food or I'm still having a nice cocktail and I'm still by a beach. I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm content. Like I, I, I I'm a hundred percent content. Yeah. Fair enough. It rhymes with that book called happy money that we, we had the author on the show. Cause it is, it's such a unsaid or unspoken value add is like when every time you spend money, if you feel good about it, it's amazing. Cause a lot of times we're spending money five, 10 times a day or more. Right. And when you go out and you, yeah. you're like, you feel like it's a bad value, you don't enjoy it as much. When you spend money and you feel like it's good value, you enjoy it. Yeah. You add that up. It's like five or 10 times a day. You feel a little bit better. Yeah. And here, you know, I love, you know, tipping people because they actually appreciate the tip, mm -hmm. you know, versus in LA, it's expected and it's a way oh, higher and the percentage amount. goes up all the time. I swear to God, like the minimum yeah. is 20 now. It goes like 20, 22, 25. Oh, God. Like, wait, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. And like, it's not a nice feeling, yeah. you know, like when I tip someone, I want to have a good positive feeling from tipping them and I want them to appreciate it here. I'm treating people all the time, you know, and a lot of times it's little, little things, you know, it might be to a fruit shake or just paying for their, their transport or like, a you know, uh, paying for their foot massage, you know, it might be a dollar. It might be three dollars. It might be five bucks, but here people actually they feel they appreciate it it doesn't cost me anything you know like in the long yeah, run here it just feels like a service fee you just have to pay no matter what it's not like a, a matter of being yeah. gratitude it's just this is what you have to pay no matter what yeah it's uh i i think uh guys like kevin they do it right where maybe he works too much but when he's out and he's treating out you know the whole table he's treating all his friends i think he gets a lot of joy from that and mm -hmm. you know i appreciate it because i never would have eaten at that restaurant you know, that like Isakuma, uh, whatever, you know, Siamese restaurant with like, you know, like, you know, I would never go to a restaurant that has five uh, dollar signs. But when, when I was there, I was like, man, I really enjoy this. Thank you so much for, for giving me this experience. Yeah, Kevin's definitely a very generous guy. Uh, so Derek, uh, in and out is on me. If I'm right. ever back in LA. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they've raised their prices yet. I feel like they have to. So yeah. No, that's why I said in and out, not McDonald's. <laughs> All right, sounds good, guys. Well, good episode overall. So let's let's end this for the uh, the the public portion, and let's just stay on for five minutes and just give the patrons uh, a little 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 bonus here. Sure, we can do that. See you later, freebies. 
No, we appreciate you as well. But <laughs> like, but, All right, but, fine. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Invest Like a Boss podcast. Join our mailing list at investlikeaboss.com to get exclusive access to our insider investment portfolios and our private members forum. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends and leave us a review in the iTunes store. It helps more than you know. See you guys next week.